Welcome. Welcome to Parkview. Welcome all of our campuses. Glad to have you guys there, here, all around. We're really, really uh, online. Really glad that you're here. We're, we're praying, praying deliver us from evil, okay? And um, it just happened to work out that way. And obviously, man, it's like this is the timing, right? I mean, here we go again with Vegas. It feels like we need warning labels on everything, doesn't it? I mean, there's just so much danger out there. I was looking that up this week, and I thought, <clears throat> you know, it's got, <clears throat> there's some funny warning labels out there. I don't think we can label everything. That's probably not going to work. Let me just show you some of them, okay? You'll get my point. Do not hold the wrong end of the chainsaw. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever used a chainsaw, but grabbing a hold of that side is a bad idea. How about this one? Allergy alert. Uh-oh, there's peanuts in this. What is it? It's peanuts. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 hopefully you, if you have a peanut allergy, you know this already. Dog medicine may cause drowsiness. Alcohol may intensify the effect. Use care when operating your car, operating heavy machinery. Got to have a warning label, right? How about this? Caution, do not swallow. If you're a hanger swallower, I just wanted to show you what you're going to look like. If you're a hanger swallower, remove child before washing. How about that one? You gotta love that, right? In case you didn't know, uh, I mean, really, this one's my favorite. Came from a coffee place in Canada. If this was another country, we would have to tell you this coffee is too hot. Good thing this is Canada. <laughs> You can't have a warning label on everything. No, nobody, nobody could give you a warning label that if you buy a ticket to a country concert in Vegas, somebody's going to go nuts. And, and, and there's no way that we can have that. There's storms all around us, storms in our lives. So we pray, deliver us from evil. We had a worship service here on, uh, on Thursday night just to kind of pray about, it wasn't just Vegas, but it was just everything, you know, everything going on. And I opened it up this way. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. And I just think that's so important for us to realize. We can't have a warning label on absolutely everything that's going to happen in our lives. It's just not possible. There's going to be bad stuff that's going to happen. So in the middle of it, we have the name of the Lord, a strong tower. I showed this picture I like to show from from time to time. It's a real picture a guy took of, uh, I mean, the guy's just standing there kind of with his foot up against the edge of the lighthouse, just standing there in complete peace while the waves are crashing all around him. Sometimes that's the best thing that we can hold on to. That's the only thing that we can hold on to. So this is the promise that we claim. Strong tower, we're going to run into it. The righteous are safe. And we're going to keep praying, deliver us from evil. Uh, if you're a country music fan, you probably know this already, but Marin Morris released an unbelievable song this week called Dear Hate. She's singing it with Vince Gill. She recorded it three years ago and decided that she was just going to wait to release it till there was a, a, an appropriate time for it, and this week was the appropriate time. I just kind of wanted to open up our time listening to this song. So, let me pray for us. Lord God, I just pray that you'll be with us in the middle of hate. I mean, it, the racism, uh, it, it's so frustrating. It seems like it just won't go away. The, the, the natural disasters, um, there's so many evil things going on. And then Vegas this week, Lord, we pray for those. Uh, I know I got a friend with a parishioner who's getting out of surgery last night, and we're waiting to hear bullet in her spine. I mean, there's still, there's still people that are, are left over from this whole thing, uh, as well as those who've lost loved ones and and the trauma, Lord, we just want to pray for, for the hate in the world, that, that, that we will be the love that conquers all. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to follow you and have the hope of peace in the midst of the storms. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
So we're, we're doing this series on, on our Father, on, on the Lord's Prayer, and it's very important that we understand it as we pray it, because we want to be able to really dig into what the meaning is, and I hope it's going to mean a lot more to you. It's going to mean a lot more to me, because we've done this together, and I hope it will to you as well. So important. Jesus, teach us to pray. That's what the disciples said. Teach us to pray. So what did he say? Okay, here's what you should say. Our Father, that's, that's where we start. And again, I'm going to say, I've said this every week, our Father is where we start. That's how everything changes. And it's our Daddy is the literal translation. Daddy in heaven. Who is Daddy to you? I was watching comedian Jim Gaffigan on Stephen Colbert the other day, and they were talking about church because they're, you know, they, both, they both grew up in church, and they're, they're both Christians, and they're talking about church. And, and they started talking about why so many more older people are in church than younger people. And Jim Gaffigan said, well, I think it's because they're cramming for the test. You know, that they, they, you know, like skipped all their 20s and their 30s or whatever, you know, and they're like getting to the end and they're trying to get it all wrong. Listen, if that's your view of the father, and I know they're joking, but, but if that's your view of the father that like I, I'm getting to, I'm closer to death, you know, one way or the other, I'm getting old and I got to make sure I got all my ducks lined up and I've got more good than bad and I'm going to go to church because of that, that's going to screw up your entire everything else. If you don't get our daddy in heaven, everything else gets screwed up. I, I am a, a very, very average golfer. I'm a, I'm a bogey golfer. And I got to tell you, if you don't know about golf, there are so many things that you can do wrong. The worst thing you can do is go take a lesson because that's going to screw you up for the whole year as you try to change your swing and do something all right, right? I mean, you got your stance, you got your grip, you got your takeaway, you got your swing speed, you got your swing path, all of these different things that you've got to think about. It's a very, very mental game. I've only had a couple of games of golf where I was just like on fire. Like, I, like I, every shot I hit was amazing. One of them, I swear, was just God. Because I was having a really horrible time. The church was really, really struggling in the mid-90s. Everybody hated me. It was a really, really difficult time. And I went out. I had my dad in town. And I went out and played a round of golf. And I was like 15 strokes better than I normally would be. It was just like an angel was swinging the golf club. And one other time, I was with my brother-in-law, and we were, we were playing golf. And, and for some reason, I was just playing so well, I literally went to the driving range after we played golf to try to figure out what in the world was going on. I'm so frustrated because I was just like, why, why is it like this right? What am I doing right? That's how golf is. Usually if you're an average golfer, you go out and every once in a while you hit a good shot and you, you know, that's what brings you back. So the problem is it's all up in here. It's all a very mental game. So for me, if I'm thinking about more than one thing at a time, if I'm thinking about, you know, like my takeaway and my swing speed at the same, I'm dead. I can't think of two things. I have to have one swing thought and that's all I can have. Your one swing thought as a believer is this. It's dad. Dad. Everything else follows in place, right? Dad, may your name be hallowed. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that you are a good dad, that you love me, that you're going to take care of me. <coughs> and this is how we're going to live, okay? Give us this day, okay? We talk about God and who he is, and then there's three things that we pray for. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm going to trust you with my needs, God, because you're my dad. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. We want to live in peace 
because you're my dad. And lastly today, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We don't want to be drawn away from you because you're our dad. And when we're in temptation and when we're in evil, we are drawn away from you. And we want to be close to you. And listen, don't listen to any kind of a preacher. Don't listen to anybody teaching the Bible that doesn't have the reality of a real world involved in it. Okay? There's a real broken world that's going on here. Ever since the garden, I love that song. I mean, you were there in the garden. She's talking about Genesis. She's talking about the serpent. He's there. The devil is there. You were there in the garden. That's where evil started, to conspire against us, to destroy us. Because when it conspires against us and and leads us into temptation, and when it leads us and puts us in evil, we are farther away from our father. And if one swing thought is dad, then that's exactly the problem. So there are two parts to this. Help us not to choose evil and deliver us from the evil that we do choose. Okay? That we didn't choose, I should say. Oftentimes, evil is something that we don't choose. Okay? We choose to get tickets to a country music concert in Vegas, and evil starts shooting from two blocks away. No way we can know that. We didn't choose that. But let's start with the first part. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. What does it mean to say to God, don't lead us into temptation? How does that all work? Well, listen, it just so happens... Now, I didn't really plan it this way, but it just so happens that our next sermon series is called Divine Direction. And we're going to really unpack this thing. Not, not necessarily temptation in, in, its, in its singular meaning, but in our whole direction in life and every place that we go. How do we get God involved and, and follow the path the right way that it's supposed to go? Because here's the thing. Lead us not into temptation. Don't, don't take that the wrong way. God doesn't tempt us. The Bible says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Don't misunderstand the language here. Lead us not into temptation. It's not, God, please don't take me to temptation. It's, please help me to follow you to the right place that's not temptation. I heard about a guy who was trying to lose weight, and he kept praying about it, and, and his big problem was a bakery. Like we got Fleckensteins in the green room right now. The real problem was that, you know, somebody brought me a maple bacon donut. It's it's back there right now waiting for me, okay? That was his problem. And he drove by this bakery every day, and he would just want to stop and, you know, get some some donuts and go on to work. So he started telling some friends about it, hold them accountable, and then he started praying about it. One day he walks into work, he's got a box of donuts. Everybody's like... Dude, what, what happened? You're, you're trying to lose weight. What happened? And he said, it's not my fault. I prayed about it. I said, Lord, if you don't want me to stop at that bakery, make sure there's not a parking place available in front of the bakery. <laughs> and sure enough, eighth time around the block, there was one right there. <laughs> That's not God's fault, you guys. The phrase in the Lord's Prayer, lead us into temptation, not into temptation, is not saying, go, God, please don't mess up. It's saying, Lord, we trust you to guide us because you alone know the way that we need to go. It's saying, I've got a whole lot of paths I can follow. Help me to follow you, not, not Satan, not go the other way. It's this. Autobiography in five short chapters. I read this when we talk about addictions every once in a while. Portia Nelson wrote this. It's beautiful. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It's not my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. 
I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it's there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5, I walk down another street. Lead us not into temptation. The Bible says God does not tempt us. He cannot be tempted and he does not tempt us. But the verse goes on and says, but each one is tempted when by their own lusts and evil desires. Okay, our own. That means we have specific ones. This is literally fishing terms here, you guys. And I don't know if you know anything about catching fish, but you don't catch one fish with a, with a lure for another fish. I mean, each of them, you could throw worms in and just see what happens. But each fish has different, different kinds of things. Things that attract it. Some fish are attracted to the little shiny things, and some fish are attracted to stinky things, and different fish are attracted to different things. And the devil knows what those things are. He studies your game film. He knows your deal. He knows what's going on. So each one is, is tempted by his own lure, his own lures, right? The, the own things that come, his own lusts and evil desires. And each one is tempted by their own evil desires, and then they are dragged away and enticed. You see that? Well, we catch the lure, and we're dragged away, and then we're enticed. He, he stirs my affections, and, and, and we're on the hook. And where are we being pulled? We're being pulled into temptation and farther away from Dad. And just so you know, Jesus' brother James says, Then after desire is conceived, she gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death which is far away from God, far away from Father. When you hop in bed with desire, she's going to have a baby, and it's called sin, and that sin is going to have a baby, and it's going to be called death. That's the natural progression that's going to happen. Sometimes I just, I just want to buy all of us one of these. You know, wouldn't it be better? I mean, my neighbor's dog has one of these on right now because she's chewing on something. You know, I remember when my dog had one of these when I was a kid, had some stitches, and she kept chewing them out, and she was hurting herself. So we finally had to put the cone of shame on. Isn't this great? Don't you just kind of like sometimes want to, I just want to put the cone of shame on so I, don't, I, can't, I can't do it. Well, you know what? You actually can do that. Sometimes the frustration is when, when you pray, lead us not into temptation, you're not doing anything to stay out of temptation. That's why we have accountability. That's why, you know, AA says don't go to the bar. I mean, it's really, really kind of that simple. You know, go get some new friends. This is really, really important. Uh, a guy told me that one time I was talking to him about temptation, strongholds. We, we were talking about it. He said, my problem is my phone. I, you know, you can access a lot of stuff you shouldn't access with your phone. I don't know if your parents realize this, but your kids can do it too. If they have Internet, this is what can happen. And I said, well, when are you most tempted to, to jump on your cell phone and look at stuff that you shouldn't look? And he said, it's at night before I go to bed. And I said, well, why do you charge your phone by your bed and leave it laying there? He said, it's my alarm clock. I said, why don't I buy you an alarm clock? You see what I'm saying? And as a matter of fact, I did. So if this is your problem, um, 
I just want you to know, you can see this is an Amazon box, so if you don't take these, I'm going to just send them back for free. But I got all kinds of alarm clocks up here for you. If that's your problem at night, you're having a problem looking at stuff because you use your phone, just come on up here and grab one of these. I, I want to give you this. I, I'll get you some batteries if you need. I, I got a whole assortment here. Lead us not into temptation, but, but, but be smart, okay? Don't blame it all on God. If you're an alcoholic, don't have a glass of bourbon laying by your bed at night, okay? It's just not a good idea. Lead us not into temptation. You know what the problem is. When I talked to him, he knew what the problem was. I know what my problems are. That's why I have accountability filters on my equipment, on my computer. That's why we have it here. I tried to look up something the other day, and I got blocked by our church. Sir, I didn't even know we had that. Well, I, I, I mean, I was trying to look up something bad. I was trying to look up something that they thought was bad, and it blocked me. Good for us. We have that in our offices. I have all those things set up because I know what those lures are going to be. Satan knows what your lure is. And this week, those of you that are in Rooted, and those of you that have been through it before, this is week five for Rooted. It's like the breakthrough week for many, many people, including my family, including me, many on our staff. And here's what, here's what you're going to study. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish Strongholds. That word strongholds means dungeon. What's a stronghold? Well, that's that, that, that's that thing. That's that, that's that lure. That's that your lust and, and you know, what the thing that he can entice you with. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what we do. We pray, lead us not into temptation, but this is what we do. And we share when we share our strongholds in Rooted, and we do this in case you're wondering, we break up the men and the women if it's a couples group so that so we can share very openly about our strongholds. And once I share them, then I can be accountable for them. That still lead us not into temptation. And you're like, man, that sounds really hard. Why, 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 are, why is there so much of this going on? Because the devil wants to drag you away. Evil wants to drag you away from love, wants to entice you and drag you away to death instead of life. Sin moves us farther away from God. When Jesus is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was the answer? God didn't say it, but the answer was sin. sin. Sin and God can't be together. And the answer was my sin, as a matter of fact, is what, why God could not be close to his son. And that separation was the worst thing that ever happened in Jesus' life. Lead us not into temptation. One swing thought. I want to be close to dad. Giving into temptation takes us farther from dad and from peace and from the kingdom. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil that we did not choose. I need for those of you who are young to understand something. It, it, it does feel like there's a lot of crazy, bad, evil stuff going on right now. I mean, when you put the Vegas thing on top of the gang violence that we already have in, in, in our city, I read that the, 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 the same amount of of murders are done every two months in the sub in the south part of Chicago as was done in Vegas in that one night. Every two months that happens. I mean that's going on. We got we got hurricanes. We we, we we've had so many things going on. Sometimes it's just like man, it, it, it just seems like this is a crazy time. But that's probably because you aren't old enough to remember 9/11. 
Probably because most of us weren't old enough to remember Vietnam or the Kennedy assassination or Pearl Harbor. Talk, talk to people who were around when, you know, when that happened, you know, that were old enough. That, that, there's big bad stuff going on all the time. And if you think about the history of our country and the history of the universe, there's always bad stuff. As a matter of fact, this has been one of the most peaceful times when it comes to war, one of the most peaceful times in recent human history that we have record of. When it comes to all-out war, you, you need to understand that, okay? Our nation's history, man, I, I'm telling you what, if you get a chance to go see Rooted, you should uh, to go see Rooted. If you get a chance to go see Hamilton, I'm sorry, you should go see Hamilton, okay? I hate musicals. I'd rather have a root canal than, than hear somebody sing talk, okay? Can I just get an amen from you? Either sing or talk, but don't sing talk. That drives me nuts, especially Russell Crowe, okay? But Hamilton, man, that was amazing because what it gave you was this kind of fun way to look at the beginning of our country. And when you saw the struggles and you saw some of the stuff that was going on, it was really impactful to me to remember. I mean, we study this stuff. We study the Civil War. I mean, do you, do you remember what, the, you know, what, what those facts are about the Civil War and what life was like? I mean, it feels like there's a lot going on now, and, and there is, but there always has been. My friend Ben, who preaches in Maryland, said he found uh, one of his dad's old preaching um, manuals the other day. You know, it was like a little notebook thing that he had a bunch of his sermons in. And, and these are from the 60s. He said, I, you know, I was looking through them and, you know, the, it's funny to see, you know, the different styles and, and, and wording. But he said, what was interesting to me was he was preaching the same stuff to the same people that had the same problems. You know, I mean, think about this. Think about the 60s. It's been almost 50 years since the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We think we got racism problems. Man, I mean, it was going on there. It's so frustrating to me that we're still here 50 years later, but those problems have always gone on. You know, were there natural disasters? Yeah, there always is. Was there communism? It wasn't Northern Korea. Well, you know, it was Russia, Soviet Union, right, back in the day. I mean, there's always fear. Jesus said this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. And I just need you to understand that. And the Bible says that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. But don't forget that the thief is out there to steal and to kill and to destroy. Don't, don't, don't miss this point. We are in a struggle. We are in a war. In Genesis 3, God sends a promise through Adam and Eve that through their offspring, Jesus is going to come and he's going to crush the head of Satan. In other words, it's a rescue operation and there's an invasion that's going to happen. And when Jesus comes, his very first sermon in Luke 4 is I've come to proclaim release for the captives and to set you free. So this is why and how we pray deliver us from evil. God doesn't send temptation. I don't believe God sends evil. God didn't send hurricanes to Florida and Texas and Puerto Rico and the Caribbean. This is my opinion. I don't buy those are bad. I have pastor friends and missionary friends in all of those places, and they are exhausted. People are devastated, but the world is broken, you guys. Sin did it. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because it's not done on earth as it is in heaven. If his kingdom and his will was done, evil wouldn't be here. I grew up in Oklahoma. We had tornadoes every year. 
I don't know if you know this. You see, Twister, that was, that was legit, okay? Nobody ever said, oh, God's sending punishment on Oklahoma because there's a tornado coming. No, we, we all just knew it's because we're too stupid to move away from Oklahoma. <laughs> where the weather patterns set everything up so that it can, the wind comes sweeping down the plains, if you saw that musical, one of my all-time favorites, right? That, that's how it was, okay? Philip Yancey said, don't confuse life with God. I think that's so important. Don't confuse life with God. God did not send this stuff. He didn't send a gunman to Vegas. Evil did. If God wants to send us a message, he will send a hurricane to Vegas. That'll be a new one, right? Then you'll know it's from God. When a volcano erupts in South Chicagoland, you know that will be a message from God. Then we're like, okay, we better figure this out. Here's the deal with our world. All creation anticipates a day, Paul says, when it will join with God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Let me, let me read it again. All creation anticipates a day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. What does that mean? We're not there yet. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. I wish I could tell you something different, but I, I, need to, I need to make sure you understand this. Don't be surprised by evil. Pray for deliverance. Pray for the strong tower. Go stand in the doorway while the storms are going on around us and fight. We have to fight. We're in a battle. Pastor Ben Stewart said, let's talk about this. It really feels like war because it is a war. The pursuit of intimacy with God happens within the context of adversity. It has always been from since the very beginning. 1 John 3 said, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy something. That sounds like war. The gospel began in violence. He saved us and we have switched kingdoms. But it's not just an invasion. It's not just a rescue operation. It's an ongoing mission. God, has, for some reason in his wisdom, has allowed freedom of choice to stay here on the earth this long, and he has allowed the enemy to remain for this season. And all of us, no matter how spiritual we are, have this little thing in the back of our minds that wants to go towards evil. But we're in the context of war. C.S. Lewis called it enemy-occupied territory. That's where we live, you guys. That's what the world is. And when we're liberated by Jesus, we're not liberated from the struggle. We're liberated to the struggle. He said, I've got a vision in my mind, a battlefield. If you've seen Saving Private Ryan, the beach of Normandy, just remember that scene. And that's what I kind of have in mind, that horrible scene of life and death. And the reality is that, is, is that in that moment, on that beach right there, right in the middle of the fight, there were two kinds of soldiers on the beach. Some looked quiet. And peaceful, others looked agitated and bothered. One type of soldier was serene and calm. The other was tense and looked anxious. What was the difference? That soldier was dead. Dead people don't flinch when bombs go off. Dead people don't duck when the bullets are fired because they're dead. They're not even aware that the battle is raging. If you're not in a struggle right now. You better check your pulse. And that's why we pray, deliver us. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come. And we fight. And we fight together. 
We know we have the ultimate weapon. We know that our dad is bigger and stronger and more powerful. So we pray for this. In the middle of it all, we pray for that to happen. And we bind ourselves together and we fight together and we help each other together. And we remember that the Bible promises that if God is for us, who can be against us? Since God did not spare, this is so important, since he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he give us everything else we need? And he goes on and he says, what will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I mean, do any of those things sound like fun? I mean, what's he saying? Those, those things are all going to be there, right? Trouble, hardship, persecution. Look at all these things. Is he saying those things aren't going to happen? No, he's, he's saying, are those things going to separate us from the love of Christ? And he says, no. He goes on, he says, of course not. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. I just think it's interesting that Paul admits that there's evil in the world. There's hardship, persecution, difficulty. He's describing the pain that we often experience in our lives. He's not suggesting that it doesn't exist. He's saying that it's there and that we can be more than conquerors. He's saying ultimately God will win. And God proved it by giving us his son on the cross to die for our sins. How will he not graciously give us everything else that we need, like our daily bread, forgiveness for our sins, and deliverance from evil. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Listen to the whole text. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I read this on Thursday night. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me and devour my flesh, when enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Again, those things are going to happen, but they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. I would like to bend in on that conversation with Jim Gaffigan and Stephen Colbert because I would say, what if the reason old people are at church maybe more than younger people are, at least what you see, maybe it's because older people have a better realization of what it's really like to live life. Maybe it's because the older we get, the more we realize we need peace. Maybe it's because the older we get, the more we want to be back in relationship with our swing thought, with our Father in heaven. Maybe it's because we realize thy kingdom come on earth is not happening yet, and we want to keep making sure that it happens. Maybe it's because we realize that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and the older I get, the more of those I've gone through, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I wish I could tell you that there won't be evil or temptation or struggle. But that's never going to be done until the Lord comes back to set up fully his kingdom. Until then, we pray for his kingdom come on earth. When we're in the valleys, we look to the hills. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. 
Like depending on your translation of your, of your Lord's Prayer in, in, in the Bible, you're going to have the doxology in there or not. I know a lot of you that grew up in the Catholic Church didn't, didn't add that on. There's discrepancy as to whether it was in there in the original or the church added it along the way. But, man, either way, it doesn't matter. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For thousands of years, it was the church's way of saying this is the, this is the amen to this thing. This is the, this is the swing thought, you know, one one last time before we get ready to head out, before we get ready to hit the ball, one more time. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that's how we pray. This is the Christian's way of declaring, You are Lord, nobody's equal to you. You are the strong tower. I will not fear. Deliver us from evil. It's a pretty easy analogy to, to realize that when evil is here, when temptation is here, that we're going to run to dad. I mean, my kids ran to me when they were little for fun. They, they ran to me when they hadn't seen me for a while or I got home for work. But they never ran faster into my arms than when they were scared. If we were out on a walk and a big dog came running out without a chain on, they were in my arms faster than an Illinois governor goes to prison, man. <laughs> And that's what we do with our Father. If, you, if you're like, ah, it just feels like I'm running to God with bad stuff all the time, like there's bad stuff going on, it's okay. He understands that. I didn't mind. As a matter of fact, that was one of my favorite things as a father was to comfort them and help them know it was okay and kick the dog if need be. Okay? That's what dads do. That's what he wants to do. I was digging through some old pictures because I knew... My, my grandson Charlie's in the tractors now. He's going to have a farmer birthday party. I don't know why. There must be some show on. I don't know about yet. But, but he's, he's into the farmer thing. He's got a tractor. And I knew I had a picture of me and my grandfather. And I dug it out and we spruced it up as best we could so you could see it. That's little Timmy and, uh, and my grandpa. He was a real farmer. He had a real tractor. He was born in 1899. That crazy. He was 62 when I was born, which will still happen to me if Becca doesn't hurry up and start having grandkids. <laughs> Sorry, that, that got to me. It, it, that's, that picture, you know, he's been gone for a, a long, long time. And uh, I mean, yeah, he was just... He was just that grandpa. He was just that farmer grandpa. But that picture, he's, he's behind me. Put it back up again, would you? I just want to see it again. Put it back up again. He's behind me. He's watching me. He's making sure I'm not really driving. I think I'm driving, right? But I'm not really driving. I love that picture because that's how God is with us. We're like, okay, I think, I'm, well, here I go, you know, I got my shirt off, here I go, I, I'm driving. And he's back there, he's controlling the pedals, he's watching what's going on, and he's not going to let us crash. He's not going to let us fall off. Life's going to be difficult, but he's always going to be right there behind us. His kingdom, his power, and his glory forever. It all starts and ends with those first two words, our Father. 
So let's say it together. Would you stand with me? We're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Then we're going to worship. I'm going to sing good, good father, because I want you to get it one more time. And during this time, we'll pass the communion trays across, two cups, one inside the other one. Just take them both out and hold them. And, um, and when you'll do it standing up. Just, just do this with us. Let's repeat this together, and then we'll worship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.